Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And we'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries. It is September the 19th, and on this day in 1881, President James A. Garfield, who had been in office just under four months, succumbed to wounds inflicted by an assassin 80 days earlier on July the 2nd. Garfield's assassin was an attorney and political office seeker named Charles Gateau. Gateau was a relative stranger to the president. His administration in an era where federal positions were doled out on a who-you-know basis, when his requests for an appointment were ignored, a furious Coteau stalked the president, vowing revenge. On the morning of July the 2nd, 1881, Garfield headed for Baltimore and uh, Potomac Railroad Station on his way to a short vacation. As he walked through the station towards the waiting train, Coteau stepped behind the president and fired two shots. The first bullet grazed Garfield's arm and the second lodged below his pancreas. Doctors made several unsuccessful attempts to remove the bullet while Garfield lay in his White House bedroom awake and in pain. Alexander Graham Bell, who is one of the Garfield's physicians, tried to use an early version of a metal detector to find the second bullet, but failed. Historical accounts vary as to the exact cause of Garfield's death. Some believe his physician's treatments, which included the administration of quinine, morphine, brandy, and calomel, and feeding him through his rectum may have hastened his demise. Others insist Garfield had died from an already advanced case of heart disease. By early September, Garfield, who had recuperating as a seaside resort in New Jersey, appeared to be recovering. He died on September the 19th. Autopsy reports at the time said the pressure from his internal wound had created an aneurysm, which was likely the cause of death. Gateau was deemed uh, sane by a jury, convicted of murder, and hanged on June the 30th, 1882. Garfield's spine, which shows the hole created by the bullet, is kept at a historical artifact by the National Museum of Health and Medicine in Washington, D.C. James Garfield died a noted president for any accomplishments. Well, he wasn't in office very long, but certainly died an unfortunate death. Queen Elizabeth is the UK's longest reigning monarch. Last week, tens of thousands of people lined up for at least 12 hours, many for 24, to pay their respects at her casket in Westminster Hall. Now many are prepared to say their final goodbyes, including my wife. She's watching it right now, the proceedings, including some 500 international dignitaries and world leaders like President Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Today, the Queen's funeral begins at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, followed by two minutes of silence. She will be buried at Windsor Castle next to her husband, uh, Prince Philip, at St. George's Chapel, the government has declared her burial a bank holiday, meaning almost everything will be closed. <clears throat> Yesterday, uh, Hurricane Fiona left Puerto Rico and its 3.2 million residents without power. This latest outage comes after Hurricane Maria knocked out the island's power grid in 2017 and left residents without power for months. Ongoing blackouts have been a problem ever since. Many have called for the local and federal governments to do more. But now the power grid has failed again and in the face of another storm. Fiona has dumped as much as two feet of rain, causing catastrophic flooding and potential landslides. Luma, the island's private electric company, says restoring power could take several days. Hurricane Fiona is now hitting the Dominican Republic and is apparently going to pass to the east of Florida. Fortunately, uh, that won't be affecting us, but apparently there's another hurricane brewing uh, out in the out in the uh, Atlantic, we'll keep an eye on that. Florida Democrats provided scathing remarks to Governor Ron DeSantis after the administration flew two planes of illegal migrants from Florida to Martha's Vineyard, even though most Democrats approved the budget that allotted the money for the transport. Reminder: 
As public servants and community members, we make choices. We have a choice to treat immigrants as other and political pawns, or we can treat them with dignity, love, and respect. You all know what choice I always make, said Democrat State Representative Anna Eskimani. Senate Minority Leader Lauren Book called it a puzzling decision. Ron DeSantis' decision to spend money for our state budget to send migrants to Martha's Vineyard is lacking in compassion and may even violate the law, Book said. As Florida's Democratic leader, I'm going to work uh, hard to find answers. Florida lawmakers approved $12 million to implement a program to facilitate the transport of unauthorized aliens from this state consistent with federal law. No compassion whatsoever, just depravity from an authoritarian governor seeking to score cheap political points with the ultra-magas who think traumatizing vulnerable people and children is some kind of game, said Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith. He did that on Twitter. Florida's Voice also uh, asked Representative uh, Anna Escamani, Senator Lauren Book, Representative Angie Nixon, and uh, Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith Friday morning why they voted in support of the budget. None of them responded to the request for a comment. DeSantis said, so we got the $12 million for legislation. Thanks to these guys, and honestly, I have to say, in a bipartisan way, almost every Democrat voted for our $12 million for relocation. They're complaining now that they, that they all voted for it. DeSantis expressed concern for the pressures and problems border towns are facing in the influx of migrants. And you saw that in stark relief when one of the wealthiest enclaves in America, indeed in the world, said they didn't have the resources to deal with 50 people, DeSantis said. We all know how you think some of these border towns feel. How do you think some of these people in Florida feel felt after seeing the drugs that are seeing criminal activity? It's so true. By the way, it's two flights to uh, Martha's Vineyard, $615,000. I just really applaud the whole move because it really brings national attention. For for the first time, we're seeing the uh, mainstream media barking about uh, these migrants. And even though it's bringing negative attention uh, nationwide to the governor, I think it's uh, really forcing the hand and uh, requiring people to take a look at the immigration problem we have, illegal immigration problem that we have at the border. Well, in his first sit-down interview in seven months, President Joe Biden declared the pandemic is over. What began in early 2020 has now been officially called through. Biden did not say that we have still have a problem with COVID. 60 Minutes' Scott Pelley asked Mr. President uh, after the auto show, is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over, Biden said. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. It's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it, he said. Biden and his Democrat Party have pressed for COVID-inspired restrictions since he took office, including forced masking and vaccine mandates, along with school, business, and church closures. The pandemic inspired Democrats to push for a widespread mail-in voting, which is in place in many areas in the lead-up to 2022 and the elections, which will decide which party holds the majority in Congress. During the interview, Biden addressed inflation, gas prices, supply chain issues, and job numbers. Foreign policy was also on the table, with Biden saying that the Ukraine, with the help of massive U.S. spending, has exhibited incredible bravery and incredible determination. They are not losing a war, he said. Biden said from the U.S. has ironclad commitment to help Ukraine fight Russia. He also told 60 Minutes of the event that China attacked Taiwan. If they do attack uh, Taiwan, the U.S. would would swoop in to their aid. Would U.S. forces defend the island, Pelly asked. Yes, Biden said. And if, in fact, uh, that was an unprecedented attack, the White House 60 Minutes reporter walked that back and has as they have done in the past with Biden makes claims that the U.S. would militarily defend Taiwan. Pelly asked to clarify, however, so unlike on Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes, Biden said. Pelly asked, Mr. President, if you run again, Republicans are most likely to go after your son Hunter once again. I wonder what would like uh, would like to say about your son and whether... Any of his troubles have caused conflicts for you in the United States. Biden said, I love my son, number one. He fought an addiction problem. He overcame it. 
He wrote about it, and no, no, there's not a single thing I've observed as he would uh, affect me or the United States relative to my son, Hunter. Well, I encourage you to visit uh, mysonhunter.com, the documentary that's been put out by Breitbart News. It's really terrific, mysonhunter.com. Check out the website. It tells a completely uh, different story than the president tells here. Uh, President Biden has continued to profit from Chinese government-owned oil, gas, and coal companies through his 10% equity stake in the uh, in the oil company in Russia in China. Uh, he canceled the Keystone Pipeline, banned new drilling for oil and gas on federal lands, and declared war on Americans at the gas pump. In other words, while Joe Biden shut down the Keystone Pipeline, which would have given the United States 830,000 barrels a day of from Canada. His son continued to profit from his investment in the Chinese state-owned oil company, which creates more carbon dioxide emissions than the entire nation of Canada. The president, speaking to Scott Pelley, the pandemic is over. I'm sure people in the White House are are beginning to panic about that comment, how we're going to handle that one, because we still have people requiring masks, governments requiring masks and so forth, and I'm sure there's some sort of a plan to uh, require uh, mail-in ballots during the election somehow, some way. So we'll see how this all plays out. Again, walking back the president's comments. A recent uh, Homeland Security Intelligence report received by the Border Patrol instructs agents to look for Venezuelan inmates released from entering the United States, according to a source with the uh, Border Patrol. The report reviewed by Texas Breitbart, Texas, indicates the Venezuelan government, under the leadership of uh, Maduro, is purposely freeing inmates, including some convicted of murder, rape, and extortion. The intelligence reports warns agents the freed prisoners have been uh, within uh, migrant caravans traveling from uh, Tapachula, Mexico, toward the U.S.-Mexican border at a re- recently as July. The source not authorized to speak to the media told uh, the f- source that the movement is res- uh, reminiscent of a similar attack uh, t- uh, taken by Cuban uh, dictator Fidel Castro during the Muriel boat lift in the 80s. The source said that the task of identifying Venezuelans who are criminal records in their home country is nearly impossible of the thousands of Venezuelan migrants surrendering along the U.S.-Mexico border daily. Most, according to the source, have been released into the United States without effective diplomatic relations with Venezuela. The source says access to criminal databases in the country simply do not exist. So here we have these people coming into the United States. Many are convicted murderers. Uh, and and committing other heinous crimes, they're coming right through the border uh, without any uh, obstruction whatsoever. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's National Cheeseburger Day this week, and uh, Lulabee's Diner is celebrating week with a 20% off any of their burgers. You can, uh, that's uh, up until the 23rd. Uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, great breakfast or lunch. I hope you uh, uh, visit Lulabee's Diner. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, multimedia website. Great for kids of all ages, including you and I. Uh, again, HistoryCentral.com. Mark Schulman, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Let's talk about what's happening around the globe and start off with Ukraine. Right. So the Ukraine, the Ukrainian army's counteroffensive against the Russians continue, getting a little less publicity, but uh, no less continues to be successful. The Russians do not seem to be making any moves to try to stop them effectively. In other words, they're, they're just in, incapable of moving any troops to stop them. So slowly but surely, the Ukrainians are advancing and uh, liberating more and more towns and villages, and will soon once again endanger uh, large numbers of Russian troops from, uh, c- that could be encircled uh, coming up in the, in the coming week or two. Um, it really shows the complete collapse of the Russian army and uh, the fact that um, their Ukrainians are basically winning this war. I mean, things could change and things could happen, but it does not look that way. You know, and of course, uh, rhetoric coming from Putin is, hey, well, look, man, we're about to get serious about this, so <laughs> you better watch your step. Right, the only, but he has nothing left to be serious with. He has no, he, he doesn't have any reserves in terms of the army. Um, they've stripped their missiles from all the places <clears throat> defending against NATO. In other words, all the missile systems everywhere have been pulled out, including from Syria, uh, to try to help themselves in Ukraine. And they're incapable of producing very much in terms of additional systems, um, because the sanctions, while not crippling the economy, are crippling the, whatever's left of the high-tech industry, because they're, you know, they're always imagining, you always can, can smuggle this and that, but it's very, very hard with, with sanctions to continue to produce high-tech weaponry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, it's proven that Putin is really a, he, he thought he was just sitting on top of a, you know, a mighty army, and it turns out he's sitting on top of a heap of I don't want to say what it is, but yeah. that's what it amounts to. So, so where does this leave Putin standing in the world and with the war in Ukraine? In the world, I mean, he's much diminished and hated. So, I mean, you think that, um, you know, any... any Look, he was going to come... The reason I, you know, for the many reasons that he went to this war was partially, you know, because he's always wanted to and bring back the Soviet Union and also to show how the United States after Afghanistan is incapable of anything, and he's the strong man in the world, and it's turned out obviously the opposite. Mm. Um, in terms of domestically, I think he's he's in danger. Again, we do not understand, and I think I've said this before over the over the months and years, we don't fully understand the powers inside, inside Russia and inside the Kremlin. Um, there's no obvious, there's no succession plan there, for instance. There's no one Theoretically, if he was to be, you know, to die tomorrow mysteriously, who would who would take over? We have no idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the Russians know, frankly. Um, so, 
a lot of unknown factors, but he's clearly losing support. People are starting to, t- you know, to speak out. He's getting a lot of criticism, actually, from the right, from the supporters of the war, who are saying, wait a second, you know, we supported this war, and you're, you're running it terribly. Um, but, um, so we don't know. I think he's, he's much weakened. On the international stage, he's clearly, clearly weakened to an extreme extent. I mean, we look at it from different perspectives. All those countries that were thinking of buying Russian arms, they look today and they say, why would I possibly buy Russian arms? They seem to be totally ineffective. Mm. Um, and in terms of diplomatic relations, I mean, look, we had, uh, they had a summit of the, uh, of the countries of, I guess they are, I guess we'd call them uh, Southeast, no, Southwest Asia, I guess. And, um, you know, people, uh, to some extent, ignored him. People... Um, shunned him. Hmm. I mean, first, he had a summit with the Chinese, and it was very clear that uh, he even had to admit that the Chinese had questions about the war in Ukraine. And the, the support that he was expecting from China just has not materialized. By all intelligence um, understanding, the Chinese are not providing him with arms, and they're not providing him with even much diplomatic support. I mean, it was a there was a um, vote in the United Nations General Assembly on whether to let Zelensky give a video address to the to the UN General Assembly. China abstained, but it didn't vote against. Hmm. And uh, the, the vote passed like 192 to, to 7 or 6. And, you know, the ones that supported him were Syria, Venezuela, and North Korea, and you know, a couple of other of these wonderful states. Um so how about and, the power of the pump? I mean, you know, he has uh, energy, and that is lever for in the, in uh, the world economy. Yes, it is, and I think you know the Europeans are going to pay a heavy price this winter. We're not in the United States, but the Europeans are. There will not be enough factories; may have to close temporarily, and it's definitely going to have a negative impact on the European economies in a very serious way. Um, but. I think the recent success of the Ukrainian offensive has said to people, you know what, by and large it's going to be bad, but but we can manage, and we can ma- manage to get through it. Uh, they've managed to work fairly hard at somewhat limiting the the, 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 the problem. In other words, the um, Western European gas reserves are now at a, at like 90% very early. In other words, they, they were hoping to get to that point by the end of November, and they're really at that point now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will have problems. They won't get enough. The Russians have cut off all gas. Um, but this is a temporary situation in a way. I mean, yes, you don't want to be uh, in Europe this winter and, you know, basically running around with a heavy coat indoors, possibly, because heating will be limited and everything else. But by next year, Europe will have alternative energy sources. And, uh, and, and what know, are those? Well, those are a couple of things. Middle East, a lot more LNG. Those are liquid natural gas when you had transported um, by ships. Mm-hmm. Some of it from the United States, some of it from Canada. <clears throat> it seems some of it uh, from Israel via, via Egypt. Um, so there, and even some from, from, from the Arab states. So you're going to have, um, they'll have alternative, alternative supplies of natural gas. Uh, you'll have more effort to build additional plants, and I think we'll keep... Unfortunately, some of the coal-burning plants online longer than they would have liked, but uh, there'll be no choice. Um, so I think we'll see that the Russians are, you know, as they say, cutting off their nose to spite their face. They're they're going to limit their long-term impact uh, for short-term gain. So it surprised me that the, uh, the relationship with China, because I, I had read an account, I believe, that the, there was going to be a plan to collaborate with China on providing f- uh, energy, uh, even building a pipeline to China. China is making use of this. They're buying energy at half price. So Putin needs a place to sell his energy. The Chinese are buying it. The Chinese are not are not going to look um, are not going to look you know free or, or cheap energy um, look and walk away from it. Quite clearly, the Indians are also doing the same. They're buying cheap oil, discounted oil from from Russia, but they're not providing him in return with armaments. Ah. So interesting. Afraid, you know, whether it's because they oppose this policy or they're afraid of secondary American sanctions. 
Um, or they just like cheap. They they're just not. like cheap energy, Mark. So what? Uh, they just like cheap energy. That's yeah. They like cheap. Everyone <laughs> likes cheap, right? Yeah, We'd exactly. Be happy to buy cheap energy. You know, we're not going to buy it from Russia, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, you know, people do that. And look, he's managing to sell his oil. Yeah. You know, like like I said <clears> to you the other couple of weeks ago, oil is easily shipped. You can move it around. You don't know who, where it's from. You know, the tanker full of oil. Well, where did it come from? Well, you know, you can play all sorts of games with that sort of thing. So he's selling his oil without a problem, um, but um, he's not being able to import and buy things, and that, that's what he needs to, to fight a war. Yeah. Mark, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. is going to be absolutely fabulous. I hope you'll check it out and get tickets now. You can visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now, we finish our conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. So right now, my wife's in watching the goings-on in the uh, United Kingdom, uh, the Queen's funeral. I just wonder if you had any thoughts or comments. Uh, just two things. <coughs> Sorry. Obviously, it's a worldwide event. I think there are more leaders at this funeral than probably at any major event in the last 10 years. Um, she represents a generation. I mean, the fact of the matter is she she reigned in, in England for... A very long period of time. It wasn't the best time in a way for England of the years or United Kingdom, the years of a certain decline. Mm. Uh, but she was a symbol, a symbol of the, for the British people. She was popular. Uh, what will happen in the next generation? Very unclear. Uh, I don't think anyone will be quite as popular as she was. I mean, it helped being a queen, quite frankly, than being a king, as much as that sounds strange. Um, and I think. Um, We'll see how, how that works. I mean, it's a system that has worked very well for the United Kingdom all of these years, and the British people never loved their prime ministers. I, you know, I think even when Churchill was turned out at the end of his um, victory, shall we say, the period of, the, of his greatest victory, he was turned out of office. So the, the British never really loved their prime ministers the way we like. We sometimes love our presidents. I don't think um, I don't think I can think of any British prime minister who had this real following of people who really love him and people could think of him. I mean, I guess in some extent, some people really, well, they liked Margaret Thatcher for her policies, but not necessarily for, 
for personality. So it's, yeah. it's not the same as in America. I think whatever that love, the love part, the quotient we give to our presidents at times, I think we're all directed towards Queen Elizabeth. So you, we'll you know, Mark, I, I, I recall uh, being in a pub in London, and uh, there was a guest bartender. Apparently, he was filling in for his friend who owned the pub. And uh, he had been in the military. Anyhow, uh, he, he made this comment. I'll never forget it. He kind of jet out his, his chin and said with great pride, I'd die for the queen. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, well, I feel that way. Yeah, it's just amazing stuff. Hey, but again, uh, you know, we, we feel that way sometimes for the American presidents um, in a different sort of way. Mm-hmm. So. Well, interesting. So uh, with the changing of the guard, so to speak, we'll see how this all uh, tr- uh, transpires. I think uh, the king now apparently has a little bit more, uh, a little more political, uh, stronger political views perhaps than the queen ever demonstrated. Maybe she had them, I don't know, but uh, it, it may create a, a change in how the uh, royalty is treated and uh, uh, viewed in, in England. No, quite clearly. He has some clear views. Particularly on things like, particularly things like the environment, he's very, he's always been involved in that in um, terms of animal rights and a bunch of areas. He's had a, a strong view, uh, but again, you know what he did and said as as prince is not necessarily what he'll say and do as king. Yeah, understood. So let's let's move to the Swedish election. Some interesting goings on. Maybe you got canary in the coal mine there. Right. Well, clearly the the, the Swedes um, voted for a right center of government. The far-right um, party actually got 20% of the votes. They won't be part of the government, although they'll support the government. They'll support the government in terms of the parliament, but the other parties in the coalition, the right center, will not have them as part of the government because basically they have neo-Nazi um, origins. But they got 20% of the vote. Clearly there's a backlash against immigration in Sweden, a uh, backlash against uh, too many regulations and um you know sweden is one of those places that um it's a welfare state in the sense that um taxes are high government services are very high and the bureaucracy is very big and so it's probably the bureaucracy being very big that people are voting against more than anything else um, you know, I'll make this observation. I, I, I believe the Swedes are pretty industrious, and uh, you know, kind of a uh, before the immigration issues, uh, they they kind of uh, a very uh, autonomous society, and so they had these welfare programs. But nobody wanted to be on welfare. Nobody wanted to take advantage of these. These are the people that uh, were at really down and out. What they found is when uh, immigrants came into the country, they they had a different point of view altogether, and it's served to really create a lot of problems financially for the Swedes. So, well, I don't know so much as financially as the issue. You know, again, um, Sweden were very Swedish. I mean, as opposed, to, let's say, the British, who have a very. When you think about all the people who live in Britain from all the colonies over the years and everything else, but Sweden never had any colonies. Very Swedish population, and it created um, racial and other tensions in the country that people say, "What do we need this?" Quite frankly, yeah. Um, and it doesn't. It doesn't have a history of, of emigration, right? You know, we. We can argue about American immigration policy, for instance, on various issues and border and everything else. But by and large, America is a, is a nation of immigrants. Yeah. And America was built by immigrants. Sweden wasn't. That's a whole other mindset, and we need to keep that in mind. Absolutely. Um, but clearly a major change, let's put it that way. Similar to Denmark. By the way, Denmark uh, uh, just said that no, nobody under the age of 50 uh, will be taking uh, any more COVID shots unless they have severe health problems where uh, COVID would be necessary. It's kind of interesting to see how, uh, I think across the globe, we're beginning to see it, a change of the guard with regard to COVID. To some extent. I mean, look, it's, it's a, we're in a very strange situation with COVID because 400 people a day are dying still in the United States. And we're totally ignoring that fact on one hand. Um, and there are new shots that seem to, to deal with the the various variants. On the other hand, people, you know, we're tired of it. We don't want to hear about it. We want it to disappear. And politically, a lot of governments are going along with the fact that they're, you know, the people in the country want it to disappear, so let's make it disappear. The question remains, you know, um, in terms of, of health, um, how that's going to work out that we don't know. You know, again, um, it's very much... Uh, we plan, and uh, these viruses have their own uh, own own plans. I mean, let's keep in mind the fact that again, 
the other extreme, China is still locking down massively. Yeah. And um, so I don't know. Don't have don't have the answers. Personally, don't have the answers in terms of uh, what one should do. I mean, I believe we should remain vigilant. Is how I would how I would call it. Well, of course, uh, there's also the adult uh, uh, sudden death syndrome that's occurring. Uh, unexplained deaths of young people, quite frankly, in the, the, the cohort, for example, the ages 20 to 35 or 40, we're seeing excessive deaths have un-COVID-related, so it may be related to the vaccine, I don't know. I don't, don't know. Again, it's, it, it's, there's, no, there's no scientific proof to connect any of that to the vaccine. That's true. That That's true. Um, and so we've, you know, there, there are other things that are taking place. Again, we have things like that we sort of talk about for five minutes and then forget the opioid crisis, for instance. Exactly. And that's a really big crisis that we, we're not really dealing with. That's right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we should make that a, a high priority, let's put it that way, because we're losing tens of thousands of people all the time to, to opioids. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, there are so many issues, and people get tired of the issues to some extent. Mm-hmm. And that's one of our problems when our politics becomes all symbols as opposed to dealing with policy, whatever that policy might be. And I think I wish all of our politicians, right, left, center, I don't care who it is, would be um, dealing with issues. I'd like to see elections based on issues. I'd like to see real platforms of what I, what I will do and what I won't do. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we've, we've gone pretty far from that. Absolutely. From most, what I see is that most politicians want to do be there at the ribbon cutting, but they could care less about the implementation. So. Right. How to make it? How to make it happen? How to keep the trains running on time? Exactly. That's, Mark, that's the function that they ignore. That's exactly right. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show, Mark. Thank you so much for joining. Have us. Have a great week, everybody. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up. Uh, Larry Reed, he is the President Emeritus for the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. 
Right now we have with us Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are a private, nonprofit educational foundation, and our focus is young people, especially between the ages of 14 and 24. And our purpose is to educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, limited government, and personal character. And we do that through our very robust website, which is at feefee.org, and through in-person and online events all over the country and the world. Just think about it. Think about if every young person, 24 to eight, uh, 14 to 24, really valued the things that Larry just articulated, wouldn't it be a better country? <laughs> so I just encourage you, if you've got a young person in your life, and introduce them to FEE.org, to FEE.org. Larry, you wrote a great piece on the James Younger Gang. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Most Americans today, Bob, uh, all these many decades since the James Younger gang uh, ran all over the West uh, committing various crimes, most Americans still know the name Jesse James, and uh, he and his brother Frank were part of the James Younger gang. Younger referred to the Younger Brothers, uh, Younger being the name of uh, uh, a family of uh, brothers, uh, Cole Younger, John Younger, Bob, and, and Jim. Mm -hmm. And uh, together, the James Younger gang uh, went all over the uh, uh, western states from Texas uh, to Kentucky and ultimately up into uh, Minnesota, uh, robbing banks and trains and um, actually killing people along the way as well. They were a pretty ruthless bunch, but it uh, came to a head at least for the gang as a whole, on September 7th in 1876, and that's when a failed bank robbery in Northfield, Minnesota, ended up breaking the gang up uh, permanently. Uh, Frank and James, uh, Jesse, I should say, Frank and Jesse James escaped, but uh, the younger brothers were all either uh, shot, uh, killed, or captured. Um, uh, when the townspeople of Northfield, Minnesota, uh, uh, rallied to uh, drive them out of town, and uh, it was a great example of private initiative, you might say, where they, uh, we didn't wait for the government to do the job. The local townspeople put a stop to it by um, uh, going after the younger James Younger gang themselves. What a great story that was. By the way, uh, pride preceded the fall. Apparently, the James Younger gang decided to stop by a saloon. <laughs> <laughs> drink a lot of whiskey and have some fried eggs before going out to rob the bank. Probably ill-advised. Yes, in fact, that's uh, uh, the event that uh, prompted their uh, confrontation with the townspeople because some people in town recognized them and figured they were up to no good. And so they had a little bit of time before the guys headed over to the bank to rob it uh, to rustle up uh, some locals with guns to uh, try to put a stop to it. Uh, the gang did uh, shoot and kill one of the bank employees, but uh, uh, the sound of that shot is what prompted the townspeople to uh, start firing themselves. And so the bank robbery did not end well no, it didn't, for the robbers. Not for them, anyhow. So, you know, uh, it reminds me of a Sheriff Scott, the Lee County retired sheriff, uh, elected sheriff. Once it mentioned to me, he says, you know, Bob, they call us first responders, but we're not first responders. The first responder is the victim. And that's why I just encourage everybody to be, to get training and, and carry a firearm in case of an event, something like that. Point being is that, uh, you know, uh, we really need to, especially in today's environment, people need to be prepared to defend themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, later, when James and uh, Jesse James uh, escaped from the Northfield robbery, uh, they went back to Missouri, uh, where they were originally from. And uh, ultimately, they were captured because, uh, or in the case of Jesse, shot, because uh, the governor there decided to sort of privatize, uh, privatize their apprehension. Uh, he just announced a big reward and said, okay, whoever can get him uh, will... Uh, reap this reward. So we didn't rely just upon the cops. The governor himself said, uh, let's enlist private individuals because they know best uh, 
uh, where these guys are getting around and, and where they are. And Jesse himself was shot uh, and killed, uh, and Frank actually, um, though he was captured and later released, um, uh, he, he lived out his days uh, for quite some time thereafter. Yeah, no, as I recall, I, I remember seeing a movie when I was a kid where uh, the, the movie was about Jesse James' gang, and he ended up getting shot in the back. That's right, in a uh, in St. Joseph, Missouri, in his apartment, uh, in the back as he was uh, uh, dusting off a picture hanging on the wall. Yeah, it's exactly my memory as well. Again, Larry Reed, President Emeritus for the Foundation for Economic Education. Just encourage, again, if a young per check it out yourself, by the way, extremely informative and interesting, but uh, also for young people, if you have a grandchild or a young person in your life, the Foundation for Economic Ed Education at FEE.org. Larry, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books. His latest is uh, No Problem. Uh, he also wrote uh, Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, No Problem, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, by the way, uh, ChoiceSizzleDining.com uh, is a website you can go to and find out all the restaurants participating in Sizzle Dining. Some great deals, fixed-price uh, menus for lunch or dinner. And that's uh, running through the 28th of September. So I encourage you to take advantage of a great opportunity and some great prices at maybe some new restaurants you haven't tried. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books, his latest, No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's uh, wonderful to be on the air with uh, you, Bob. I think you're a fabulous broadcaster, and uh, I think Naples is lucky to have you. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Yeah, uh, you know, we've got a lot of things going on right now, including, uh, well, let's, let's start off with the Queen's funeral today. Any thoughts? Well, yes. It's uh, I th I think the the fact that the whole world is fixated on it is a form of escapism. I mean, I mean the world uh, has a lot of uncomfortable uh, events going on. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, chief among them the uh, war in Ukraine, which could get out of hand. You know, we're talking about a nuclear exchange, 
So it's pretty scary times, number one. Uh, number two, you would think that uh, Great Britain was the only country in the world and that uh, Queen Elizabeth ruled the United States for, for, uh, uh, as well as uh, Great Britain. Uh, but there are other big events going on in the world that we should not ex- ignore. Uh, I follow the, uh, the travels of President Xi Jinping of, of China because, uh, I mean, China is one of the most important countries in, in the world, and we don't, our press doesn't do a very good job of covering them. Right. Uh, they have a, a party congress coming up on October 16th, which is much more important to the globe than the uh, Queen's funeral. And uh, it's expected that Xi will get a third five-year term, uh, which is... Uh, it's not unprecedented, but it's unusual because generally the general secretary of the uh, party has a 10-year uh, term. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's just been uh, the uh, tradition. So he will break tradition with another third-year term because or another five-year term because China thinks he's best suited to face down the West, especially the United States, as China tries to extend its influence throughout the world and really control the global agenda. Mm-hmm. So so uh, now, I think during this uh, meeting, he will announce some, uh, some changes in China's COVID policy, and it will indicate that China's economy is coming back online, which will have... Uh, short-term positive uh, impact on uh, U.S. stock markets, I think. Mm. Um, And uh, I've been predicting that the market will behave like it usually does during a midterm election year, uh, regardless of who wins in Congress and regardless of uh, events in the world. And that's because I'm I'm just playing the odds. Eighty-seven percent of the time during a midterm election year, the stock market is a wild roller coaster ride up until October, and then October through at least May, you have a bull market. So I think we'll have a bull market, and this news about China coming back Hmm. into the uh, world economy will boost uh, the market. Having said that, I'm still a a terrible bear. I see uh, in 2023, I see the uh, Fed's tightening of interest rates really causing a lot of economic pain in this country. And I think we'll test uh, the S&P right now is around 4,000. I think we could see it around 3,000 hmm. before before the uh, bear cycle ends. That is a, a dour prediction on, indeed. Uh, a lot of volatility right now. Of course, the futures are down substantially this morning. And uh, it, you know, of course, we've got unprecedented. I think we used to the term stagflation comes in from the '70s, as I recall. But the uh, point being is that there's so much wrong with the economy right now. Of course, full employment—that's kind of interesting too. But uh, we've never been in a situation like this before. No, and what happens is, and this is kind of cruel. And I, I mean, the the Fed—you know—intellectually, we all agree that the Fed has to be hiking rates for the long-term good of the economy. But, you know, most of the public was operating on in with an easy money psychology that had been instilled by the Fed over a period of at least 10 years. And, and you know, your average person is, is not an economist. They're not, you know, they don't get up first thing in the morning and, and, and think about, uh, you know, the dollar, you know, what's the dollar trading at overseas? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are interest rates optimum? Is is there too much cheap money? They just, you know, learn to live in this environment of easy money, and then the Fed suddenly turns off the spigot or begins turning it off, and it derails the lifestyle of all these uh, people. So, for example, people who invested in uh, housing and are trying to move to a new location now are having a heck of a t- time trying to find buyers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just hearing reports around the country, which I think are probably ahead of the official data that we see, indicating that the sellers right now are in, are in a real tough spot. And home, and home builders are in tough spots as well. 
Uh, yes, and and it's not only because of a, the affordability issue for buyers, but I mean the supplies are still elevated. Uh, the prices for materials are still elevated, and there are still supply chain shortages that slow down the construction process, which causes uh, labor costs to rise. So, yeah. for example, you know, uh, I'm in a uh, over 55 community up it's only three years old and and it has about 150 of the projected 300 houses uh, built and since uh, i paid for my house in 2019 and it took a full year for it to get constructed because 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 of uh, lack of materials but anyway people coming in now have to pay a hundred thousand more for the base house mm-hmm. uh, than I paid, and then there are you know everybody wants add-ons. It's like when you buy a car, you know nobody wants the base car. So um, so far the sales here have been been going at a pretty good clip, and I think it's because boomers are flush with cash. Most and I think boomers have been carrying this economy, by the way. Um, but at some point. The uh, increases in interest rates are, are going to turn the uh, uh, even the, the most uh, uh, wealthy boomers into very frugal folks, no. and, and so uh, it's going to get worse. No, no, I don't. I think that's uh, absolutely true, and uh, I think mater- cost of materials will start to come down because uh, the demand will come down as well. But also the interest rates. I, I read that uh, somebody who buys a, a home, average price home today, because of the increase in interest rates, they'll pay about two hundred thousand dollars more over the course of a thirty-year loan because of the higher interest rates. Uh, yeah, and it's not only they they can't afford the higher interest rate, but I'm, I mean, you know, there are assorted fees with that too. So if you're a young person and you, you know, pre-Fed hike, you saved you saved a pot of money to buy that house, and within a few months, that pot of money no longer is sufficient, and uh, that's frustrating. And, oh, yeah. and also, wages are flat. Wages haven't kept up with inflation now. Uh, you know this because we've been through this so many times. It's hard to bring prices down because uh, the manufacturers and the retailers incorporate the higher prices into their operating plants, so the so the prices come down pretty slowly. So to fight inflation, you also have to see wages increase, you know, so that the prices and wages meet someplace in the center. All right. And we are not getting wage increases, and and. In the months ahead, uh, unfortunately, we're likely to see a lot of layoffs. Well, in addition to that, I mean, the portfolio, our portfolios right now are probably about where they were when Biden took office um, after that big boom that we had for a while. Yeah, the markets are is down. But in addition to that, we've had 12.7% cumulative inflation, and that affects the portfolio as well. In other words, the buying power, the real buying power of our portfolios is down substantially because of inflation. Uh, yes, the fact you know, I, I, I love the bubble. Like I, I think we we could test the February, twenty nineteen uh, market where the S and P was about twenty eight hundred uh, there. So that's that's a pretty dire prediction. But the, but the point is that the Fed inflated asset prices. Um, I used to advise people not to look at your the portfolio and assume that's how much money. You have give your portfolio a thirty percent haircut, and, and and that's what you really own. Yeah, pretty good uh, advice. And, and unfortunately, that seems to be proving uh, to be the case. Yeah, pretty good advice. Jim McDeg, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author. After retiring, he's written three novels. Three great novels uh, that I encourage you to get, get. Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, A No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did and learned some things. I hope you'll uh, join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadoma. Uh, Dennis Golden will be joining us as well. He's from Hodges University, an interesting story to tell, and as well as Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be joining us as well. 
Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobhardnethotmail.com, bobhardnethotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends. Uh, that helps our advertisers, and that's what helps the show stay in business. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise uh, Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.